The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org.
In the book of Psalms, chapter 19, verse 14, it says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my, of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. So, you know, sometimes when loved ones pass away, you have people come up to you and they tell you stories. And they tell you stories about that loved one that passed away. Well, after my dad passed away, a person came to me and he said, I have a story to tell you about something that your father did for me. I said, okay. And he said, you know, there was one time he was, he was my boss and we were at a luncheon together and he said, me and my significant other had just gotten together. And he said, your dad was sitting right across the, the table from me, and we were eating lunch. And he said, he could see on my face that my significant other had frustrated me and was frustrating me. And he looked at me and he said, take a bite. He said, I looked at your dad and I went, what? And he said, he repeated the words, take a bite. And I got to thinking about that. And you know, the first thing I want to do, I want to say it's an honor to stand before you today on a day that we are intentional about honoring and praying over the people who are responsible for our education, who are responsible for our education system in Roosevelt County, in Curry County. You understand that? Today, we as a church have taken it and made it intentional, our purpose to pray for those in education. Educators in our room range from pre-K all the way up to the big people. The people that move into our community every, every August. Sometimes they leave in May, sometimes they don't. But they're still our people. But let's go back to that story. You know, my dad said, take a bite. And that man looked at my dad and he said, why? And he said, if you take a bite, you have something in your mouth and you can't say something stupid. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, as I think about that, I would wager, it's the word that we're using, right? Wager? Okay. I would wager that... Every one of us has been in a point and been in a place where we have said something out of anger, out of revenge, out of whatever it is. We have said something with our mouth that has offended somebody. You know that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's a lie. That is a lie. Words do hurt. 
Words will wound, and unfortunately, words can destroy lives. God tells us that our words must be a reflection of His love. Teachers, educators, as we continue with this year, we are responsible for the students' minds that are in our classrooms. That, we, that come into our offices, we are responsible for those students' minds. And it doesn't matter what level we're at. If we're down here in pre-K, if we're down here in daycare, or we're talking to our college kids, or we're talking to our colleagues, our words impact lives. When something is said to you that you want to just snap back at, take a bite. When someone says something with you or says something to you that you don't agree with, take a bite. When you're scrolling through social media and somebody's put something on there that you don't agree with, instead of sitting there and making a quick response, just stop. Take a bite. Think about what you're saying. Teachers, when that one student and we all know we have that one student comes to your desk for the 14th time in 10 minutes and says Mr. Barry, Mr. Barry, Mr. Barry, Mr. Barry take a bite <laughs> just remember that what we say and how we say it affect lives and our words are reflection of the Savior that we serve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you remind us in your scriptures that our words are a reflection of you. And Heavenly Father, as we, as we stand here on this morning when we are honoring our educators, help us to Breathe an air of peace over our, over, over our educators. Lord, let them see that our church, that your people in this church are standing behind them and are standing underneath them to be the rock that they can stand on, to stand in front of their class and preach boldly, to teach boldly, and to reflect your love to the lives that they come in contact with. Lord, as we walk through this week, allow us to be your witnesses. Allow us to reflect your love. And Lord, remind us that there's times when we just need to stop and take a bite. It's in your son's name we pray. In 2019, a study was done at the University of Pennsylvania, not Penn State. The University of Penn is the home of the Fighting Quakers. <clears throat> Go get them. Uh, their mascot is, and I'm not making this up, a goat. No offense, Wes. I mean, you know. Uh, but it, it's not even like a fierce goat. It's just a, a goat. It's just a goat. All right. Anyway, University of Penn, they're Ivy League school. They can get away with it, whatever they want. They studied educators, and this is what they found. Approximately 3.2 million teachers in the United States.
Sounds really good, except there are 51 million K through 12 students. So that doesn't average out real well. 77% of all teachers are women. 54% of all principals are women. And over 60% of teachers have postgraduate degrees, usually on their own time and on their own dime. The average cost of what they called teacher-funded supplies was $564 annually. And you go, I spent way more than that. <laughs> Teacher-funded supplies can be everything from pencils and erasers to shoes or coats or food for kids. And the average across all those is 564 annually. You may say, well, that's not that big a deal. That's almost $15,000 over a career. On average, teachers work 11.2 hours per day which averages out to about 56 hours a week. Again, average. Some work a lot more than that. But here was the stat that stunned me. 34% leave teaching within the first three years. 46% within the first seven years. It costs a lot to be a teacher these days. And that's why we're having an education celebration today. We had over 50 baskets up here, and we want to bless these teachers, and we want you to partner with us to take these baskets, to fill them up, and to take them and bless these teachers, to pray over them. You deliver them, and, and you let them know how valuable they are. We want to ordain our teachers today. Now, some people find that a little, uh, because ordain sounds like, well, actually, ordination is a man-made term. It's not in Scripture. Ordain means to set apart for a specific task. And we want to send all of these baskets out to these teachers on a task that has been given to us by God. You might be saying, well, well, why not firemen or police or nurses? All of those are valuable too. Yes, they are. As is every occupation that you have in here. And you are valuable to us. We're just super blessed to have this many teachers as a part of this church family. And we wanted to celebrate this today. I will tell you, we're going to look and we're going to talk a lot about teachers. But this applies to whatever role you have. I don't care if you're a man business manager or a real estate agent or a, a doctor or a ditch digger. All of the concepts that we're going to talk about today are powerful. We believe that God has called you teachers and is sending you. So join me in Luke chapter 10, if you would. Uh, if you're online, thanks for joining us here at Central Christian Church. Uh, if you're in the room or you're listening on the radio, we're just so thrilled that you're with us. Now, a little backstory to Luke chapter 10. This passage in the Luke version follows, if you look up to the last part of chapter 9, it follows the passage where Jesus said, this is what it costs to follow me. It's going to cost you a lot. And then immediately after that, he sends out these people as his messengers. Now, if you read from an older version like the King James or New American Standard, it's going to say that he sent out 70 of them, 70 different um, leaders. And uh, I'm sorry, he sent out 70 different of the missionaries and he commissioned them. But in some of the newer versions, I read from the New Living today. I use Holman Christian Standard sometimes, or just sometimes you use NIV. It'll use the term 72. 
And you might say, well, why the conflict? Why, why didn't they get them right? Why are they different? Honestly, the thing that kind of impresses me is that there were that many to send out. Whether they sent out 35 pairs or 36 pairs, Jesus sent out these pairs to go ahead of him to go places where he would go to tell them that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So join me as, re- as we read in Luke chapter 10. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he needed to visit, or he planned to visit, excuse me. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's house, first say, May God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they're not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, We wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. Now, I want to go back and unpack some of this, but right at the, the first, he uses this word, chosen, called. In verse 1, in the New Living, it said, he chose these 72, not drafted, not forced, not volunteered. He chose them. And friends, when you're chosen, it means everything, and it changes everything. You see, they weren't chosen because of their faith. Their faith faltered. They weren't chosen because of their talent. Nobody stands out. In fact, we don't even have a name of any of these people. They weren't chosen for their impact because they, or, or influence. They didn't have any. They were farmers or fishermen or tax collectors or people that were looked down on. He chose them because he chose them. And he still does today. And you need to know, wherever you sit in this room, wherever you are online, you are chosen. And he has a place for you and a path for you. And then he says something interesting. He sends them into his fields. Now, you may be thinking, I'm splitting hairs, but if you look at the last part of verse 2, it says, ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now, I think that's a little thing, but it's huge. I love it when Jeremy gets up here and and talks about uh, how we impact these students. I love hearing teachers say, these are my kids. I want to introduce you to my kids. We've talked to quite a few lately that are said, I can't believe one of my kids that I had in first grade, they're graduating college now. And we, we see this stuff and we talk about how old we are. And I love that terminology that when a teacher comes in, they are, those are theirs. I love it when... When you talk about our church, uh, Jeremy used that phrase. 
And that's different than, I want to go to your church. Did you hear that? One letter, but it changes the dynamic of the whole thing. It's personalized. It's valuable because it's personal to you. Personalization is a big term in marketing worlds right now. That's a big, big thing. It's, it's what is causing all of your uh, ads and your computer stuff to be aimed at what you want. Because every time you Google search something or... Apparently, every time you think something, uh, Facebook knows it and starts sending you 3,000 ads for said thing, all right? That's what personalization is. It's an algorithm that hears you through Alexa, that sees what you clicked on. It starts sending information so that they can sell you what you want. It's a great idea, except God did it first. Long before Meta ever figured it out, God designed this place for you. God owns the fields in which he is sending workers. Did you notice that? I am sending you out into the fields that I already own. He owns the schools where you work. He has never left the schools. Can I in that? He has never left the schools. God has always been there. Yeah, I know they took prayer out a long time ago. He, they, they can't get rid of him. He is very viable and he is very much in your schools. He is in your workplace. He owns your friendships. That's why I love this version thing that it's personalized. It's, and not to, to do anything about us, but to, that we can come together, that the reading programs that will be going out will be stuff that matter to us here. And you go, I don't get it. The reason that's important is because of this next thing. He equips those people for his work. For the fields that he owns. Now, we've all heard that. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the calls. It's cliche. But a cliche happens, becomes a cliche because it's true. When God calls you to a task, to a personalized task, he will equip you for that task. Teachers, you might have some tough students this year. You might have to deal with new curriculum. You might have to deal with hard co-workers or a different administration or a change in philosophy. You might have money troubles at home. You might have health issues at home. But you need to know this. There is not one thing that will happen this school year that will surprise God. Not one single thing will sneak up on Him. He knows it because He is already there. Will you trust that if he has equipped you to be in that class, that he already owns the class? That he already owns the school? That he's running the show? Will you trust that he has gone before us in the fair? He has gone before us in in Spectrum. He has gone before us in all of the different activities that we've got. And he is already there. And note the stuff that God says to take with you. That Jesus says, hey, don't worry about taking a, a backpack. Don't, you don't need a traveler's bag. You don't need an extra pair of sandals. You don't need a lot of extra stuff. How many of you are extra packers? Okay, I'm an extra packer. My wife will try to talk me into a week ahead of time pack. All right, so I pack. The night before, I panic, and I throw a bunch of other junk in there. Anybody? All right. So, so we overpack. And... And Jesus says, you don't need to overpack. You don't even need to pack. 
You don't need stuff. You know what you need? If you want to take some stuff with you, take trust. Trust me that I've got this year already worked out. I already know who needs what, and I have put you there for a purpose. And then the next phrase he uses, I'm sending you out lambs among wolves. Notice that does not say sheep to the slaughter, all right? I know sometimes you feel that way, teachers, but that's not what it says. It says lambs among a world that is difficult. Now, I want you to hear me. I don't like it when people say, oh, our schools are dark and and we're sending you lie down into a dark world. Schools aren't dark. Our world is following its leader, okay? Our God is still in school, and God is bright, and he has put you there to bring brightness. There are other Christian leaders. There are other Christian teachers. There are other Christians there. But we're always shocked when the world isn't supporting of God's ways. Well, but Don, we're a Christian country. Hey, Jesus said, I am sending you out lambs among wolves. But we miss the most important part of that phrase. The most important part is, I am sending you. I'm in control of this. I told you to go, but I'm already there. Teachers, he placed you there for his glory. Students, I want to talk to our students for a second. At whatever level you're at, he put you there to shine light into your classroom. He didn't put you there to fit in. He put you there to shine brightly for him. In that job, in that classroom, in that hallway, in that locker room, to shine Him. You can be hope. And know this, teachers, there might be a kid this year that doesn't welcome you. Is that possible? They might reject you. Students, there might be a friend that calls you a bad name behind your back. I know that never happens in school. Oh, no, no, no. You might have something bad happen to you. You might be defied. You might be rejected. Can I just tell you this? Love them anyways. Love the wolves anyway. Because Jesus has sent you there. And I want you to note the sense of urgency that Jesus uses in the Great Commission. In this commissioning these people. Look in verse 4. The end of verse 4 he says, Don't stop to greet anyone on the road. If they welcome you in, great. If they don't, go on to the next place. He's talking about urgency, about how important it is. Now, in the Matthew version of this, which happens in Matthew chapter 10, it tells this story, and and it's the same commissioning service. But in the Matthew version, it says, I am sending you to the lost sheep of Israel. It's really specific there. But in Luke, it leaves that phrasing out. In the book of Luke, it is frequently talking about the spread of the gospel, the spread of the good news because we tell it. I'm wondering if we've lost the urgency of evangelism in Christianity. We can blame COVID, we can blame all this other stuff, but I wonder if we've lost the urgency to tell people today how important today is. Are you looking for people to tell of how good he has been to you? Because that is our. We are all priests. We are all kings. We are all to be talking about his great grace. 
I'm going to go weird on you here. Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Yeah, I read it. Okay. I, uh, I found a poem of hers a couple of weeks ago and I've been hanging on to it. Earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he sees who takes off their shoes. The rest sit and pluck back blackberries. And you're sitting there going, so? Uh, I, don't, I don't get it. All right, I caught it mainly because of the blackberries. I thought that was a weird phrase. But when you look at it, it says in there, there's a phrase in there. It says, he sees who takes off their shoes. In a Bible phrase, where do you take off your shoes? On holy ground. And if you remember, the holy ground was in front of a burning bush. But guess what? It wasn't holy. It was dirt. What made it holy was the presence of God, was in that moment with you. Do we see how fast life is moving? We woke up today, it's August 21st. It's almost September. How did that happen? It was August 1st about an hour ago, it seems like. I mean, how did we get here? The summer went so fast. We've heard the phrase, the days are long, but the years are fast. We're in that moment You may not realize it while you're sitting here listening to this sermon. You're moving at the rate of 463 meters per second. I have no idea what that means because I'm American. We use miles here, all right? So I looked it up. And while we're, the world is spinning, all right? The world is spinning at at a speed of 460 meters per second. That means in the approximate time of this sermon, you'll travel 552,000 meters or about 343 miles. Not even leaving your chair. You'll travel 343 miles. But not only that is the earth spinning, the earth is traversing around the sun on its annual trip. And you are going on that, in that realm, you're going about 67,000 miles per hour. That means today you will travel 1.3 million miles and your Fitbit and your Apple Watch won't give you a point for it. It's frustrating. Okay, but you're going all of this speed, yet none of us feel it. None of us notice it. We've got gravity. We walk around. We don't realize we're moving this fast. I wonder if we're missing the urgency of what God is calling us to do. He has called us to make disciples. Are we? And then he says in verse 5, whatever house you enter, bring peace. That's not just a greeting. That is a mindset in a Jewish mind. In the Hebrew, they would say, Shalom Alechayim, means I bring peace into this home, into this household. And you see, in the Old Testament, peace would matter to a Jew because that is the messianic prophecy that Jesus is here, the Messiah is here. You see, when I see peace in Scripture, I think presence. Get in the presence of God. I want His presence to be upon this place. I want to bring hope. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have conflict. Are you going to have conflict in school and work? Oh, yeah. You're going to have conflict. There's going to be division. We don't seek it. We seek to be purveyors of peace. And if they don't listen, the peace returns to us. But we keep moving on, and Jesus says, I'm sending you out. But how are, to, or how are we to act 
as he is sending us out. Look at what Jesus says here. He says, this is the most important mission you will go on. Now, he doesn't use those words, but if you look in verse 12, it says, if you don't listen to this, Sodom would be a better place for you to be. I would think, knowing what happened there, I would think that would be a situation where I'd want to pay attention to this stuff, okay? But what does he say when you're going out? He, he mentions eating twice. Eat whatever they set in front of you. And you go, well, I don't get what the big deal is. He's sending out Jewish people, and they might go into Gentile territory. If they go into a Gentile home, what has that just done to that Jewish person? It's made them unclean. They can't go in the temple for seven days unless they, are, unless they change. And, and what it, he says twice, he says, Sit, eat what sits in front of you. What do they have in, in Gentile homes? You know what they have? Bacon. And we love that. Uh, that's good. But to a Jew, that's, that immediately defiles you. Is Jesus saying, throw out the Scripture? No. He's not saying that at all. He, he says in other places, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. He's saying, don't get up all caught up in religion and rules and regulations. Start loving people where they're at. Just, just be where they're at. Don't get sidetracked by religion. You see, it's not about money or salaries or church planning. It's about our mission. Keeping love and peace as the focus of what you're doing. This changed evangelism for me. You see, evangelism as a term when I was growing up was a program. We got dressed up, we wore a suit, we went on us, we went knocked doors, we passed out tracks, we did. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody else grew up in that kind of? That was evangelism, all right? But it, it transformed me. Evangelism might be just not being a jerk. Could we just not be jerks? Could that be? You see, it's more than programs. It's personal. How we treat people matters. And that brings me to this next slide. If what we're doing in here is not making a difference out there, then what we're doing in here isn't doing anybody any good. Now, that sounds like I'm slamming our church. I'm not. I'm not at all. I love worshiping with these guys. Franklin's powerful. I love singing with these people. I love getting to worship together. I love study. I've never met a sold-out believer that did not regularly worship God with other Christians. I just don't think it's possible to do it. Well, I can love God any way I want. Yeah, you can, but you miss the corporateness. You miss the unity that we have together. Prayer together matters. AMP is essential. Spectrum is valuable. KidZone is thriving. All of our classes, all of these programs, though, are fuel for our calling. It's not how many can we get at each one of those? It's how many can we get out of each one of those? Sending out. Our calling is important. And we need to keep focused on our calling. But, but Don, what if I'm not a teacher? What if I can't witness? You don't understand. I don't talk very good. And I'm really kind of a quiet behind the scenes guy. I get it. We all have limits. And we all have handicaps. But listen to this verse that was read earlier. Each time, he said, my grace is all you need. 
My power works best in weakness. So now, Paul says, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Friends, God will use you, can use you, will you let him. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's discipling those little ones in your home. Will you let him use you? And in just a second, we're going to watch a clip. Most of you know, if you've been here any amount of time, I really like the On the Road with Steve Hartman series on CBS News. I think Steve Hartman is probably a Christian. He's probably a Christ follower. I've never met him. I don't know. But he always brings a great moral message. And I follow his stuff all the time. But this one's a little older. It's from 2012. But before you watch this, I want everybody to look really close at the verse that's on the screen right now. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, you may not think you have it all put together. You may think you're weak in some areas. I want you to watch what God can do. Let's roll this. Tightrope walker, fashion designer, crossing guard. There are still jobs blind people can't do. But the list has been steadily shrinking thanks to trailblazers like Jim Hughes of Farmingdale, New York. Coming through, coming through. Jim's story began more than 20 years ago during a meeting with his college counselor. And I said, listen, I'm interested in teaching. And she goes, oh, that's, that's really nice. Which What's, blind school do you yeah, want to exactly, teach at? Exactly. Said, no, I, I want to teach in a, in a public school. Public high school? She goes, no. It wasn't bad advice. Remember, we didn't have all this assistive technology back then. And there weren't the laws mandating employers give people with disabilities a fair shot. What do you mean? Still, Jim sent out about 100 resumes. I'll be honest and say this is the only real interview I got. I came across that resume, and as I said, it took me by shock. How can a blind teacher possibly function in a classroom? Steve Cusin was principal at the time. And boy, am I glad that I took a second look at that resume because it's made all the difference in the world to generations of students. Has anyone seen images of soldiers coming home from Vietnam? By all accounts, right. this history teacher has become one of the best teachers at Farmingdale High School. It doesn't affect his teaching at all. And not in spite of his blindness. It almost helps him. But because of it. He became so good at verbalizing the information to the students. In fact, the kids say it's their other teachers who can't always see. No, they just, they're blinded with the PowerPoints and the handouts and all that. Every teacher should try uh, a day with a blindfold and really learn how to talk to your students. Right. The other thing he's surprisingly good at is keeping them honest. There's no cheating whatsoever. What? He's too respected. You respect him too much. There'll be that rare kid, but they're shamed instantly. You don't want to be that guy. See if you could find the thematic essays. The class may be history. But these kids are getting their doctorates in integrity. You know what? I think I put them right on top of here. That's what happened. And Jim Hughes is getting all he ever wanted, a chance to make a difference. The classroom is where I belong. I think I really believe that. Pretty easy to see. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Farmingdale, New York. When you know where you're supposed to be, things just click, don't they? Did you notice how they talked about it? See, now... Being the little jerk student I probably was, a blind teacher, oh, we're about to, yeah, we're going to steal this guy blind. Eh, we're going to cheat on everything. But did you notice how the students responded almost in unison? He's too well respected. 
There's too many other things that matter. Friends, teachers, wherever you work, we send you out today. We ordain you, we set you apart, and we send you out. I want you to do something. We're running out of time, so I want you to do this quickly. Everybody in this room that is either a teacher, administrator, cook, janitor, whatever it is, that you have something to do with education, coach, uh, instructor, stand. At any level, please stand right now. We want to pour into these teachers, these educators, and let's pray over them. Teachers, we send you out with our blessing, with the support of God. Students, students that are in this room, may you shine, some, shine him to someone near you. Employees, may you serve as if God was your direct supervisor. And bosses, may you see people as valuable not tools. Father God, we pray for these teachers. We pray for the year that you have already ordained. You already see every single thing about it. There's not one thing that will shock you about this year. So Father, give them strength when they're weary. Give them peace when they're anxious. And give your presence to whatever room, whatever classroom, whatever format they work in. And Father, for everyone in this room, we are your kings, we are your priests, we are your teachers. As you send us out, may we teach others about how great you are and how much you have impacted us. We thank you for the blessing of these teachers. We thank you for their heart, for their spirit, for their calling. May they feel chosen today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.